exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is the Cumberland Road. I'm your host, TJ Melanowski. Today, Corey Williams joins me on the podcast. Corey is the senior minister of the Dyersburg Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Tennessee. And Corey is a graduate of Bethel University. He is a graduate of Memphis Theological Seminary, both with a Master of Divinity and a Doctorate of Ministry. Corey comes from a background of 10 years in the corporate world, dealing with marketing and sales. He served the Brunswick Cumberland Presbyterian Church for 11 years. He also worked at MTS, Memphis Theological Seminary, as the Chief Information Officer. And he's been at the Dyersburg Church for five years. Corey also has a family, his, his wife, Peggy, and they have two children, Luke and Ben, and they have some pets indoors and outdoors around their home. Corey, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's been a long time since we've seen one another. It has. It has. Now, Corey and I go back to Bethel College. Uh, we were both students there at the same time. And at that point in your life, you were already a candidate for ministry, correct? I was. I came under uh, the care of Presbytery as a candidate when I was 16, I believe. Matter of fact, I remember uh, meeting with the committee on the ministry. I wasn't old enough to drive myself. I think somebody drove me. <laughs> well, okay. Well, uh, we are probably going to go even further back and reflecting back upon your life and your relationship with Christ. Can you recall your first encounter with God? All right, so I grew up in a small town uh, in Middleton, Tennessee, in uh, south rural West Tennessee. It's in Hardeman County. And the church that we attended when I was growing up was the Bolivar Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And it was a small church. And for most of the time, we didn't really have a lot of uh kids or youth so at this one time uh you get invited by your buddies at school right to go to church with them and so i would go hang out with the youth group at the methodist church and i'd hang out with the youth group at the baptist church uh church of christ a little bit but i remember going to this uh, evangelism conference in uh i guess the southern baptist dude i think it was at vanderbilt maybe and i remember having a very good time i remember uh enjoying the music and enjoying the speakers and i was invited to give my testimony i'm probably like 13 or something like that at the time uh at the at the baptist church on a sunday night so lots of kids that were basically sharing our experience with being on the trip and how god spoke to us there or whatever and to give our testimony well my buddy you know alex he gets up and he's rededicated his life for like the 18th time people go nuts everybody's just pooping and hollering folks crying women throwing their babies up in the air it was a big old deal <laughs> and then my um, another buddy gets up and talks about how um he's uh, uh given his life to christ and people are crying and everybody's amen and then it comes to my turn and i'm like i was raised coming presbyterian i've always grown up in a church uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I can't remember a time that I didn't know that 
uh, about God and about God's love and being taught about um, Jesus and his sacrifice and his grace and his mercy. And uh, it was nice to get together this trip and, and experience that in some different ways. You know, I, uh, I gave my life to Christ a couple of years ago and, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't have the, uh, the chutzpah that the other stories did. <laughs> and so after I've shared this out loud, really bore my soul here about my life testimony about Jesus in my life. And it's just crickets, man. It's just silent. Nobody, nobody cried. Nobody's throwing babies in the air. Nobody's happy. Uh, but I'm very thankful for that because I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in church in a loving church family that was very supportive of, of me and loved on me and taught me. And I got to go to um, Camp Clark Williamson here in West Tennessee growing up, starting. I actually got to go early because uh, Vernon Sansom was our pastor at the time, and he was directing a junior camp. And I think I was maybe a year too young to go. And I think that I think his youngest son, David, was maybe a year too young to go or something like that. And so he, I got to go with them. And, and that was pretty cool. So I even got to start camp early. So uh, to answer an earliest memory, it's more like being steeped in it, raised in it. And uh, I remember meeting, uh, I guess, the two from my, my youngest memories, the two things that uh, I remember, two or three things that I remember the most are uh, a, a lovely, lovely lady uh, in our church, uh, Miss Anderson, who would do the children's time and she was just so sweet and she would speak right to you. She would look in your eyes and talk to you, not use it as a time to talk to the congregation. She was really talking to the kids, you know, and uh, she was just Miss um, Janice. She was sweet as she could be. And she would tell me about um, God's love for me. And I believed her, you know, and uh, later in life, uh, Cam Clark Williamson, there were lots of, of folks that would that would speak and and teach but i remember having i don't know if it was a junior camp or a junior high camp but i can remember it was a very emotional and real time for me where you could feel like that was a thin place and the spirit was talking to me and i, I have words for that now i didn't you know then but that was those were very formative times and that's where i made a a public profession hmm. Um, but also, also remember, we had several ministers that came to the church, uh, Bill Herringlake, Earl Phelps, uh, Vernon Sansom, again, who were happy to spend time with me answering my questions and talking to me. And so, like I said, it's not a very interesting story, but it's a very, it's one I'm very thankful for because I was steeped in, in the teachings of God and about the grace of Christ from birth it just kind of felt like a natural fruition of things, a natural progression, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were steeped in it from early on, what are some of the things about the Christian faith that has given you purpose, has given you meaning in your life that you've carried through? And even if you want to mention to where you are now, this is the things I identify with mm -hmm. in my relationship with Christ. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think that one of the benefits in being 
steeped in the faith and raised in it like I was is your identity formation. Like as a pastor now, I meet people whose um, understanding about God or are really based a lot out of fear or, or loathing uh, who I am, the kind of person I am, the things I think, the things I've done or left undone, the things I've said or left unsaid. Uh, like, a, lot of, a lot of guilt, a lot of yeah, regret. God, God hates yeah. me for that. Like God doesn't, and being steeped in it, you were like, no, I, I never, I never felt like, now I did have a very profound experience where I had made a, a bunch of just bonehead choices all in a row and where I was in my life and where I was in my faith. And this was, you know, uh, adulthood. And I was like, God's not happy with this. Uh, God, God is probably straight up unhappy, angry with me about this. But even in this, it was a very dark time in my life. But even then, it wasn't like God straight up forsaken me. It wasn't that God, God, God's not happy. And God may even be letting me know that, that this is not what I've called you to be. This is not who I've called you to be. Uh, this is not suitable. Um, but that's, that is still different than like, I can't even approach God or, or God doesn't, doesn't care for me or, you know, that the, the, the grace of Christ is for these other people, but I'm so bad. It, it's not. Uh, and I run into people that experience those feelings. And I, and so that's probably the, the most interesting juxtaposition I would say in being raised in it is I never knew a time that God did not love me. I never knew a time that I did not believe that God was my advocate, that God was, while I had this free will and choice, that God was constantly working with me to shape me into something better, despite, uh, you know, my shortcomings and my, my brokenness. <laughs> so what do you tell folks who are coming from a sense of guilt and remorse and and regret knowing the background that you've just shared um, coming from a very different place. So what words of encouragement do you give someone who's coming from a different place? Um, I, I think the, the go-to default would be to share probably more deeply about that broken time in my life, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give them some juicy details. Let them <laughs> let them let them see the 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 truth of uh of we all fall short. Yeah. Right. Let them see the broken Corey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and give them my testimony, which is God took me when I was broken. And through people that looked after me and, and his people, people that were taking care of me, giving me perspective, loving on me, helping meet some needs that I had that the whole time were saying, uh, it wasn't like they were, they were just doing it. They were doing it and saying, God's doing this for you. Like, like it was very clear that this was God working through these people to me, um, over time, you know, you get restored. You get made whole. It's not like you don't carry some scars and be like, hey, see that? That's when I was really stupid. And did see that? That's when I was stupid here. See that? That's when I ran away from there. And uh, and I, I would 
the reason I say that is because I think particularly for, for ministers, if you're the one that's doing that kind of having that kind of conversation, it's very easy for people to make assumptions that put you on pedestals that uh, is not healthy for them or for you. Like it's not true. And that's a way of, of sharing. This is what, this is not what I did through some self-help or through some therapy or what like God restored me in this way. And this is what it looks like. And uh, if they wanted to get super technical about it, the re only reason I bring that up is because there are those people that do like they're really litigious about things. Well, then we got a whole book full of scripture of people that ran away, people that were unfaithful, people that couldn't do what, uh, what God asked of them to be in covenant with him. And still God makes a way through Christ. Mm -hmm. I, so th those would be my two go-tos. And, and I, and I believe others as well, we are a messy restoration in progress. You, oh, know, sure. <laughs> you know, it's not a completed and go, ah, you know, it's like a, a rebuilt car, you know, it's right. been restored to its former glory. No, I mean, mine is just, didn't I put that on you? Now you've broken it again, TJ. Oh, what are you doing? And, and that God, was, God, God continues to provide me that grace. Sure. And <laughs> yeah. that, that was just since this morning, right? right. And <laughs> I wake up and do it again tomorrow. Uh, and I probably got eight, you know, 20 more before the day is through. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Work in progress. So our faith journeys have us going all over the place. Uh, each, each of our journeys is unique and different. Um, yours has you in ministry. So what's happening in your life in ministry right now? Right now, I am pastoring a lovely church full of just really cool people in Dyersburg. Uh, this is my first time being in the full-time pastorate. I've always been uh, bivocational in the past, and the, the call to do this was, was very strong, and uh, the way that it was not my plan. I guess, let me say that. I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a full-time pastor. I wanted to be bivocational. I think there's a lot of really cool aspects, a lot of beneficial aspects, both for clergy and for churches. If you can do bivocational, I know it's hard. I know it's got, got its own pitfalls, but I did it for such a long time. It was, it was comfortable to me. And I, I liked how that, how that went. Um, and the churches that I served did too. When this came along, uh, my wife and I were looking at, uh, needing to move into a different house because our, we had two little ones at the time that were starting to be not so little. And we were living in a smaller house. We're like, we need some room for them. Um, we also had a, a great Dane. Uh, so between the, the kids running around and skateboarding on everything and riding down the banisters along with the dog, it was, it was just too much. So we were looking at, at, at another house and we were wanting to do something um more rural than where we were living in suburbia my my wife peggy has a love for uh and has done studies she has an mar from from mts also and her emphasis is on care of creation and uh so you know thank wendell berry kind of stuff that's the that's joe salatin she reads that stuff all the time so she wanted to have critters and and crops and we weren't doing that on our eighth of an acre lot in lakeland so um, it was against the 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 home association to do any of that 
so we were looking for something more rural, but we weren't looking at leaving the area. And we had an opportunity through a lady that we had, had uh, met in our church at the time who was looking at, she, she had gotten married and she was looking at selling her property and he was going to sell his property and they were going to go buy something new and start a life together. And so we went out there and we're, we're looking at her place and kind of making plans and thinking about it. And this was going to be like, we would go to the same grocery store. We would go to the same doctors. It was just right down the road. It was mm. a beautiful setup for us. Kids would go to the same school, no upheaval except for the moving. And uh, I'm like, look, if we're going to move, if we're going to have this kind of change in our life, we need to be prayerful about that and listen to what, what that God may want that to be. Mm. And that turned into, well, if, if you're slowly stepped, if you're willing to move, seven or 10 miles away, would you be willing to move 20 miles away? And so we got to looking at houses that were 20 miles away. It was still wouldn't interfere with my job at the seminary. I could still drive in. Um, and a lot of folks in, in, that live in the, the corner of West Tennessee, there, folks that work in Memphis, some of them live in Mississippi and drive over or Arkansas and drive. So, so the, the, the ranging is not uncommon to do that. So we were looking at North Shelby County and we looked at um, some, some of the other areas and it, our radius got more and more and more. And in the middle of this conversation that we just had about, well, if we're willing to move 20 miles or 30 miles away, I mean, if we're willing to upheave that much of our life, then we, it could be a hundred, it could be another state, it could be another country. Like, what does that look like now? Now, so now we're open. And we're having this conversation and I, I hear from a friend of mine that the Dyersburg church is open and they're looking and we, my family, uh, we're at, it was, a, it was a Baskin Robbins that had just opened and we were like, their like 12th customer <laughs> and, uh, we're sitting there eating ice cream and we're, we as a family are talking about, well, what about, should I look at, at this church? Should I send them my stuff? Is this, is this a thing? And in the middle of that conversation, a person from that church calls me or sends me a text that says, hey, we're open now. Would you be willing to, to look at that? In the middle of the conversation, well, this, is in, this is in July because it was my son's birthday right after that. And we're at Mini Figs uh, doing a Lego party for my son and his friends. And he had met someone from Dyersburg at, at a junior camp at Camp Clark Williamson and had invited him to his party. And his parents, his mother, who I knew from when I was a kid going to camp, graciously drove uh, her son, Sam, down to Luke's party. And she was like, hey, we're, you know, we're looking for a, a minister. So it was all like all at once. And so I took it seriously and, and sent the thing in. So I feel like God has led uh, my family to where we are and, uh, personally, like professionally, like the stuff that I'm interested in, I don't know really how to express it other than like, I'm interested in a lot of things, man. I, I like to, I like music. I like fishing. I like hunting. I like hobbies. I like learning something new. <clears throat> my son and I, are, uh, my youngest son and I are starting to work on a, 1979 k5 blazer right now uh which i hope that i get to drive i'm afraid when he turns 16 he's going to take it from me but i like learning 
new things. I like the experience. I like the the struggle, the working out the puzzles. I like the the growth of it. And so I'm kind of a utility guy. I have a lot of varied interests. Uh, uh, what what my dad used to say, like a a jack of all trades, a master of none. Right. In the in my life in this church as a pastor, over and over and over and over again. Weird stuff that I read, studied, um, worked on, was interested in, played around with, has come up and been uber helpful in my service at this congregation. And it's like, like all this stuff that I've experienced was to build me up for this time, a place, a time just as the, just like this. Even your magical illusions. Even the magical illusions, man. <laughs> Which uh, the little kids love it. <laughs> you know, you got a, a a kid with some sort of uh, maybe social anxiety or super super shy that's having a difficult time being around the crowds that might come on our uh, Wednesday night children's services or our, uh, our children's programming or our, uh, like a BBS or, um, uh, we do a big trunk retreat that like 14% of the Congress of the, of the County shows up and goes through it's thousands and thousands of people. And you get to meet all these kids, man, doing a little magic goes a long way. I bet it does. I bet it does. Just don't pull anything out of anybody's ear. That's old school and cliche, and it scares kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know, just so you know. All right. If I get into the art <laughs> of illusions, <laughs> you'll be the first one Please that I call. Do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've talked a little bit about, you've shared how God has been working in your life today and, and what's happening in your ministry. I want to ask you, where do you see God working in the world today? beyond you i don't think that it would be a big stretch for most people to understand uh to agree with the sentiment that we're living in some pretty difficult times i mean that's that's probably true of, of every culture of every time of every person could sit down and go wow this world we're living in isn't it isn't it tough you know but it is tough out there and there's there's so much um discord there's so much divide there's so much polarization in our culture all the way you know it, it, you can't even like a sports team that's different from somebody else hardly anymore without it making you evil it's not just that you know it's you know 20 years ago i felt like uh you know if you like one team and somebody likes the other they just think you're stupid that's okay <laughs> but but now i'm evil you know that's a whole different kind of premise um and yet well Corey, what uh sports teams are we talking about here oh, this could be see i use that as a generic <laughs> thing for other people because i'm not really a sports kind of guy um but i know other people are so i have to i have to i was just i was just trying to connect with your listeners tj um, please, i'm not really a ahead. sports dude yeah okay <laughs> discord uh, yeah, Discord. So what happens is the uh, I'm also at the same time noticing a great deal of 
people responding to that. They don't actually get the press. I don't know that the Discord does, but it's been my experience that uh, there are people out there, a lot of young people, with a great deal of patience for folks that are different than they are, uh, with a great deal of compassion. Like, I'm, I'm hearing people be able to say things like, yeah, I don't know anything about that, or that's not my life or my experience or whatever, but, you know, she's, she's sad. Let's go cheer her up. He's hungry. Let's give him some, like, they, they're, they're getting past the minutia and looking at the, the core kind of things, the reality, the, the, the trueness of things, and it, it makes people do some pretty holy stuff, and I, I've just, I've really witnessed that a lot lately. And I'll tell you as a parent, it's pretty cool to hear, hear that in your kids, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the they can talk about the person that, that, that makes them feel aggravated at school and then turn around in the same breath and talk about something that they're really good at or very cool about, you know, that's so in particular you asked, and that's where I see God working a lot right now is in a time of discord uh that there are there's a remnant of people little pockets here and there that have i think a a holy sense of grace about them and a holy sense of unity about them and a care for the other and i'm very appreciative of that well moving towards the church so we've talked about god working in your life today where we see god working in the world today the church that you and I both serve, what hopes, ideas do you have for it moving into this new year and moving into the years to come? The pandemic has really done a number, uh, certainly on my church and many others, the, the congregation that I serve. It's not like it's my church. I don't, I don't pay any mortgage <laughs> bills or anything there. There's no, there's no charter with my name on it, right? Uh, the church that I'm very blessed to serve, uh, and and many others have had to make make changes out of necessity because of COVID nineteen, and there is a perspective that I have often where I think we should be really appreciative of that because my congregation and many others often become very insular and nearsighted and when things are going well and when a church has been doing very well and uh imagine i'm holding up quote fingers for well because that's that's kind of a moving target depending upon who you're asking about it right uh traditionally i think that, that that churches have measured their health based on numbers of people or the amount of money that they have in their budget or the size of their um, youth group or their children's programming or how many buses they have or what, you know, all kinds of, of, or the size of their campus, I guess that would be another big one. Um, That's not what we're here for. I believe that we're here to be servants for Jesus Christ to make disciples to help others come to know him and love him and give their lives to him. And I'm not saying that our churches aren't doing that, 
but I think that we had a lot of obstacles because of our blessings, because of our success that make us, make us flabby, make us, you know, fat, happy and comfortable and, and like culturally in our country. I mean, it actually meant that not that long ago, if you moved into a small town like Dyersburg and you wanted to have any kind of uh, respect in the community, open a business or, you know, be a, a respected person in the community, you would be a part of a church. Like that's, that was part of the deal. So our, our churches, I think, enjoyed a great deal of success in a lot of ways that they would market as success because culturally we were supported that people needed to be in church. It was the social center. I mean, there's all these, all these expectations for folks to be in church. Now, none of that exists. But a lot of the people that uh, I'm not saying none of that. I mean, I still live in the Bible Belt, and there's there's portions of that. But at the end of the day, it's not nearly, just fractionally as prevalent as it used to be. And so, the churches kept kind of living that way. The people have come to us. We don't have to go serve anybody. If they want to get their crap together and be right with God, they'll we'll stand here on the corner in front of our brick edifice and our steeple and they'll come be with us we're here they know where we're at that's not what jesus calls us to do to go into the world and to meet people and to go where they are and to tell them about him and how he loves them and what he's done in his uh his teachings and his death and his resurrection what uh, the, the promise of the resurrection hope for them like all of that we're called to go and make disciples of folks to show them christ and we're not doing that when we're serving ourselves. COVID has made us, made us for many churches. Now, there are some that didn't, didn't respond that way. But for a lot of churches, we had to lay down on purpose because of laws of where we lived, because of uh, safety concerns for our people. We've had to put down habits and biases and preferences of how we do church, of how we worship, of how we congregate, of how we communicate. We've had to lay a lot of our golden calf idols aside in order to continue to even exist. And I am really hopeful that this is going to be a revival opportunity for churches to um, kind of get their stuff together and be white hot on mission for what Christ has called us to do, which is missional, which is looking out, not insular, taking care of ourselves. And that's, I'm starting to see some of that in my own congregation. I have some uh, other minister peers that when we talk, they're starting to see some of those changes happen in there. And I, I think that's exciting and might be might be the best thing that's happened to the church in the United States in a very long time. So some of your hopes and aspirations are actually have some fruit to them. Yeah. Uh, already, you know, low hanging fruit so far, but, <laughs> but I, I think that they'll, I think at least the, the ground is ready for something new. Mm. Corey, I appreciate you sharing your, your afternoon with me. How can the listeners continue to follow you on your faith journey? Well, um, they can come to Dyersburg. We'd love to have them. Right. Great town. Uh, that being off the table, if that's not an option, uh, certainly our 
uh, website, cumberlandchurch.com, uh, is for the Dyersburg Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And it has access to our services every week. We live stream them. They're interactive. You can chat with pastors uh, during the service. You can chat with other people in the church or whatever. Okay. Uh, have, share your prayer concerns, that sort of thing. Um, uh, I'm preaching there just about every week. Unless, I don't know, unless you're hearing something I haven't heard yet. <laughs> that, that's my plan uh, is to be there. And uh, if, if, you're, if you're kind and want to be friends, I'm on Facebook too. Look me up. All right, Corey. I appreciate it. It's good seeing you. It's been a long time. And it has been a long sharing. time. Ah, thanks for sharing your faith journey. And thank you for joining me today. Tell a friend and travel with me on our next journey down Cumberland Road.